Hi everyone, I'm Extra Mana and today I am with Mars Girl and uh, for those who don't know Mars Girl, if you could introduce yourself. Hi, yes, uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm known online as Mars Girl, full name is Kaylin Saucedo. Uh, I probably have best been known for my time on Channel Awesome, which I was with for the last nine years up until this past week. So yeah, producing videos for quite some time and all kinds of other stuff in between there. So before we uh, got, get into Channel Awesome, I wanted to talk a bit about your background. So I understand that you spent some time in Japan. Uh, what was your experience like there? Uh, yeah, I've been to Japan a small handful of times. I first went just on a vacation in 2006 while I was in college, uh, and I had taken a semester or two of Japanese, and my Japanese wasn't very good at that time, but I totally fell in love with the country. It's just amazing out there. Uh, in 2008, I spent a semester uh, attending KCP International Language Institute, so I studied up the language farther from there. Um, and I took the Japanese language proficiency test, so I'm not like 100% proficient, uh, but I do have a degree of proficiency, um, and I went back just several times. I last went back in 2015, and just spent a great time at the Tokyo Game Show. Ironically, we're we're talking right now during this year's Tokyo Game Show, um, <laughs> but I, I that's... An overwhelming experience, but it's so cool and it's so fun, and uh, I'm always looking for my next excuse to go back. So what is it that you like about Japanese culture? What keeps drawing you back there? Man, you know, it, there's just so many different things. It's hard to pinpoint one specific thing. Uh, there is a culture of courtesy and politeness. Uh, some might argue that it's a little bit fake because it's so ingrained into the culture, um, but at the same time, it's it's hard not to appreciate that. Um, from airport experiences to restaurant experiences, uh, there's just a cleanliness and a politeness, um, and people genuinely want to seem to want to help you, um, even if sometimes it seems like uh, they only want to help you because you look like a foreigner and they think that you need help, um, which which can be funny, but uh, at the same time, like, why would you get mad at that? They're just trying to be nice. Um, and the food. Oh man, I could have, I could have just spent an entire trip doing nothing but going around and trying different foods. Maybe one day I'll plan that trip. That would be amazing. Uh, man, I could just go on and on. Um, it's, it's a different culture. It's, it's unique. And, and it's something that I really appreciate as someone who would like to learn more about cultures that are not like mine. So you've, um, You've you've gone to a lot of conventions over a lot of years. There's lots of lots and lots of different videos of uh, conventions. What drew you to uh, the convention scene, and what made you want to get involved with all of that? You know, it's kind of interesting because initially, because um, American con culture is is very much steeped in um, there's there's a big anime con culture, and I for a long time I really hated anime. I really really did. And uh, it wasn't really until high school that I started to actually realize, no, there's merit to an anime narrative. And I had other friends of mine that started going to anime conventions before I did, and they just came back telling me, 
all these amazing stories. Like, oh my god, it was so fun. We got to see these voice actors, and there were tons of cool costumes and stuff. Uh, and I thought, okay, this is a really weird thing that I don't really know how to get into. So what I'll do is I'll... I'll spend my money from the very first job that I ever got. I would spend money and just get a camcorder and I'll walk around and I'll film it and I'll share my experiences with people because I can't be the only person who doesn't understand what the con experience really is like. Um, and when I went, I found that I had just such a fun time. Um, and I was such a, a closed up person before the convention experience. And I found I was able to break out of my shell and really start talking to other people. I didn't realize there were so many other people that existed out in reality that actually shared my interests in really specific topics. Uh, so, yeah, why not keep going? After a little while, uh, you, you do start to feel a little bit of burnout. So you have to start jumping into other kinds of conventions. So like I recently went to G-Fest, which is the Godzilla festival. It's specifically for Godzilla and other giant Japanese monsters and stuff. And, and then you start going to comic book conventions. And just, so you just you make jumps to different topics to kind of keep it fresh. That's the only way you can keep it fresh after more than a decade, decade and a half of attending conventions. So has there been any favorite conventions that you've gone to? Oh, favorites. Uh, G-Fest was its own unique flavor of uh, really American-type fans who really like these Japanese movies, um, and yet the cultures kind of don't mix that much. They're really more monster movie fans than they are Japanese culture fans, which is just such a wildly different experience from going to an anime con. Uh, as far as anime cons are concerned, though, oh man, I don't know, I haven't been to a really good one in a really long time. Uh, anime Expo is out here where I moved to in Los Angeles, and I haven't attended it in a couple of years, but uh, it it felt like a really big version of any other kind of convention that I had been to before. Uh, but some people think that it's um, really way too business-oriented at this point, and I can kind of understand that. Um, man, I've been to so many. To say that I had a favorite... Uh, Con Bravo in in Canada was really nice to me, though. That was one of the, the most... That goes into stereotyping, just how nice and polite the Canadians are. But man, they they did it. They <laughs> proved how nice they were to me uh, and how nice they really can be. And then they just treated me really solid, really golden. I really appreciated that. So you've made videos uh, about tokusatsu. Can you tell us what is, what is that and um, how did you first get into it? Okay, so tokusatsu, it's a, a Japanese word that really is just a shortening for a term that means special effects filming. So uh, really any sort of special effects show or movie could be considered tokusatsu. Um, from the Japanese point of view, that's going to be like Godzilla, uh, Super Sentai, or we'll call it Power Rangers over here in the West. Um, Kamen Rider is another super popular tokusatsu franchise. Um, those are ones that are going to be really... Uh, and Ultraman. Ultraman is also fairly well known in the West. 
Those are going to be really popular Japanese tokusatsu franchises. Although the Japanese also call some Western stuff tokusatsu too. So uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe kind of counts to them as tokusatsu. Um, Doctor Who would count as tokusatsu. But I think when a Westerner is talking about tokusatsu, they probably mean Super Sentai, Kamen Rider, Godzilla, that sort of stuff. So uh, you've also been involved in live streaming. What was it that made you want to start streaming online? Because you started that like a long time ago when it wasn't anywhere near as big as it is now. Yeah, that's true. And I, I didn't quite stick with it, maybe in the manner in which I should have. And it really got away from me. But uh, it really kind of started with, uh, I had a roommate many years ago who said, you know what would be great motivation for me to finish some of these games would be for me to share my gameplay experience uh with a whole bunch of other people. So he started setting up a live stream just for his friends to watch, and I thought, okay, well maybe having other people watch me finish my games, I've got such a huge backlog of games, that would be really fun too. It would be good motivation. You know, I don't do it to um, achieve some sort of live stream fame or popularity or anything. I just have so many video games that I haven't finished that... um, occasionally getting advice. Not really the same thing as backseat gaming, but if I I get stuck on something, I can ask somebody, hey, does anybody in here know what I should be doing here? I'm okay if you tell me right now. Um, Or to have this motivation of, oh man, is she going to be able to beat this boss? Um, That's really fun too. Um, And then occasionally I would also do streams... um, For example, on Halloween, I did a couple of Halloween streams just sharing old Halloween-themed cartoons and having myself and a couple other guests come in and dress up in costume and stuff. Uh, Live streaming is a really fun, interactive way to interact with the audience that I already have. It's just fun, and it's good motivation. So do you see it as a way to kind of build a community around, or...? Oh yeah, uh, any any interactive way to interact with uh, an audience that I already have, so that includes live streaming. Uh, I've kind of tried to embrace Instagram a little bit. I'm not super comfortable with Instagram um, and Snapchat. I don't use like at all, but um, streaming is a very direct, um, very immediate way to begin interacting with people, starting a community. Uh, I've got a small, not very lively Discord chat that kind of tied into it. Um, my community is, has always remained kind of small, and I'm kind of okay with that. And uh, I feel like I'm personally getting to know quite a few of the people that show up, and they, they tell me about their lives, and I ask them more questions about their lives. And uh, it is kind of a nice community that we've built up. So, uh, speaking of Channel Awesome, what made you decide to leave the site after being with them for nine years? This was... it was and was not a difficult decision, uh, because this has been something I've been contemplating for years. Like, years, this has been in the back of my head that I haven't necessarily wanted to be with them anymore. Uh, But the reason why I hadn't Years ago, um, I'm going to say I had my first real Inklings back after Too Boldly Flee was released. So that was like five years ago. 
Um, and the reason why I didn't was because I've, I've got a, a manager through this organization called Tainted Reality. And Tainted Reality used to... Um, they used to bring Japanese bands on tours throughout the United States. Uh, and that included at anime conventions. And so my friend who runs Tainted Reality wanted to try taking a shot at managing... Um, internet personalities. So he he asked me, because he's my friend, and I said, okay, why not? So he helps me uh, get convention appearances from time to time. Uh, and I, I had been wanting to leave for years, and he just said, no, now's not a good time. Your name being attached to Channel Awesome is still getting you business. And I said, okay, I, I guess that makes sense. I would just rather stay really quietly in the background here and not talk to management and stuff. And so when you ask me why did I leave, management uh, is really the largest reoccurring reason uh, over the entire course of the entire time I had been with Channel Awesome. So that started from year one. Um, man, it, like I could tell so many stories. Um, for starters, uh, everything is going to tie back to Mike Mashad, essentially. Um, I think there's still, maybe not as much as there used to be, there's still a common misconception that Doug and Rob Walker have more control over the site than they do, and Rob has moved into a management position. But Mike Mashad, um, he's the dude at the very top. So uh, he and I got into some tiffs year one. Um, there was miscommunication about a video that I was releasing. I was explaining to him, yeah, this video that I want to do, it's kind of like a history of animation. And so when he eventually released my video, he titled it A History of Animation, and that wasn't the title of the video, and a whole bunch of people got really confused and really upset, and they got mad at me that I was trying to call this video A History of Animation. And I had to go back and publicly say to people, no, that's not what it was. There was a miscommunication. I hope it won't happen again. And Mike Mashad would hit me up over Skype and say, uh, he just was, was furious with me that uh, I would insinuate that he didn't do his job right and uh, demanded that I not speak of it again, or not speak in that way of him again. I didn't think I was even especially uh, aggressive or accusatory. I just thought there was a miscommunication, and it might have been from my end very, very easily. It could have been from my end. Um, and, and back then, when he would get mad at me, I would kind of cower back. You know, I was 22, I was pretty young, um, and I just, I kind of let him roll over me. And I'd say, oh, okay, I'm, I'm sorry. I, maybe I'm not meant for Channel Awesome. I don't know. I don't know what to do. And then he'd be like, okay, just don't let it happen again. Um, but this would be stuff that would come up all the time. Um, or he would be mad that I would talk to people over at Screw Attack uh, or that I wanted to attend the Screw Attack gaming convention uh, because he saw Screw Attack as a, a rival to Channel Awesome back in that time. And so he was, he was real upset 
that I wanted to attend this event. Um, my understanding, too, so this is hearsay, let this be known that this is hearsay, but Noah Spoony also attended the ScrewAttack gaming convention, and what he had told me at the time was that Mishad was also kind of mad that Spoony went to the ScrewAttack gaming convention, too. So, realize that is me hearing from him that that is what he has said about Mashad. Um, and that is not directly something that I heard him say, that, that I heard the two of them say between each other, just so that that's out there. Um, just, I, man, most recently they were, when they schedule videos up out on the website, um, you know, it'll go up on the front page, and then it's supposed to hit social media, so it's supposed to hit Twitter, and it's supposed to hit Facebook. More and more frequently, my scheduled videos were not hitting social media. More and more often, it was not hitting Facebook. Uh, and on top of that, they were still mistitling my videos. Um, so I would have something like, uh, request review five centimeters per second. Uh, and I call it a request review because it came from a Patreon request. Well, uh... They wouldn't call it request review five centimeters per second. They would call it five centimeters per second. Mars girl. And I know that's like a really small thing, but I would leave a note in our scheduling system saying, hey, the name of this video, it's called request review for a reason because this was, this was done as a paid request through Patreon. Can you please title it as this? And they would ignore it completely and mistitle my video. Uh, these are just... Th this was happening all the way up until the point where I left, and the miscommunication was just was just garbage. Uh, and the way that I uh, was watching other contributors be treated, the way I was watching them get dropped with no communication, um, the way they always promised us that there would be uh, an internal email system between all of us that never happened, um, they always want you to be on Skype. I can't stand Skype. I don't like being on Skype. So if I am, if something happens and I'm not on Skype, then I totally am never in the know uh, of when I'm supposed to know something. Uh, they have my phone number. They have multiple email addresses of mine. They don't use any of that to get in contact with me f for, for anything. So... Uh, there's this huge expectation for you to be on Skype 24-7, and I, I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. So so these are just a few of the things. If, if I kept going, I'd be going forever. I would just be going on and on forever. Um, that is the most recent thing, mostly the scheduling and the stuff not getting to social media and uh, the mislabeling of my videos. And I, I specifically wanted to time it at some point that was really important to me. I thought, maybe I'll wait until my 10 years. And then I thought, no, I can't wait any longer than that. I thought, maybe I'll wait till I get to 10,000 subscribers. I'm almost there. And I thought, no, I can't wait any longer than that. This is, like, morally something I can't do. So I just decided, you know what? The nine-year anniversary, that's important enough to me. That's when I'll go. Do you still keep in touch with uh, producers from Channel Awesome? Like, what was your relationship with the, the other people on the site? Oh, yeah. I never had a single issue with any of the other Channel Awesome producers personally 
between us. Um, I know some other producers can't necessarily the same thing, and so in that regard, I feel super blessed. I don't regret, necessarily, my time with Channel Awesome at all. Um, I made fantastic friends that I'm going to have for life. Um, having known um, Noah, even though I realize that he has had some hard times and he has publicly been very public with how hard his times have been and he's been hard on people publicly, uh, there has never been any point where he was cruel to me. In fact, he had been there for me at one point at one particular convention when I was being real sick, uh, and he wanted to make sure that I was going to be okay. Um, there's Allison, um, Obscurus Lupa, um, Movie Nights. She's been a fantastic friend to me. Uh, Lewis has just been nothing but a, a chill dude to everybody. There's There's, like, nobody that he's on a bad side with, and he has always tried to make sure that I've been okay. Yeah, I've I've definitely made friends that are going to last a lifetime, and I'm going to continue to talk with them. My leaving of Channel Awesome is purely a management reason that, that I just, I can't abide by any longer. Right, so um, when you were with uh, Channel Awesome during the filming of uh, Kick-Assia, what was that like? Was there was there still a lot of problems with management uh, all the way back then, or what was the kind of feeling on set? Uh, I feel like the management of Kick-Assia, it, it was only so bad, you know? Um, again, the problem is Mashad, and so uh, Doug and Rob, uh, they like to think of themselves as filmmakers by this point, um, but, but they're really kinda not... You know, it's like anybody who says, I'm going to make a short movie and I'm going to put it on the internet. It it went about as well as you would expect. And, and I think at that point we were still kind of okay with it. We were okay with it in the brawl. And then when we got to kick Assia, it was like, oh, well, we're doing something way bigger than this. None of us have done anything like this before. We expected it not to go nearly as smoothly as the filming of an actual legitimate professional film. Um, so did it have problems? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But it's because nobody... Th that went from management to the walkers to the actors to um, uh, Kevin Baugh, the, the guy who who actually owns that house and runs Molossia. Um, none of us knew how to do anything we were doing, and so the fact that it happened at that point in time was still a semi-magical thing, that it actually was something that could exist. It's, it's kind of after that where you figure, okay, now we need to learn from our mistakes. If we're going to be constantly making movies, then we need to learn how to be filmmakers. And it sort of never improved from there. Um, so Suburban Nights went approximately the same, and so did To Boldly Flee. Um, yeah, management was never good, but uh, also I felt like Mike Mashad only had so much direct say in our day-to-day -day activities while we were filming some of these movies. So 
that wasn't so bad back then. But after a while, it was like, alright guys, get your act together. Uh, and then the act never got together. So what was different with uh, the brawl? What, what made that one different uh, to shoot? So similarly, there, there was just this magical feeling back then. We were all high on this feeling that we can't believe we're all together in the same room. We don't really care that we're not getting paid. Like, that's not even the issue. Uh, th there wasn't an issue back then. Um, they, they paid us in flights and hotel, and we thought that was just fantastic. Um, and we had seen all of these other producers online before in the past, and... Um, the fact that we got to actually sit down and talk with each other rather than just kind of communicating with each other via text or Skype or something like that, um, that was great. The filming took way too long, just hours and hours and hours for something that was so very small, but this, again, was something none of us had ever done before. Doug had, of course, done it with James Rolfe, the angry video game nerd, just solo, one-on-one, -on -one, but never with a group this big. Um, so you can really see um, from behind-the-scenes footage how, how happy we all were. We were all smiles that year. Um, and as stuff got bigger and more convoluted and more difficult, that's when the smiles kind of started to disappear after the fact. So by the time you got to Suburban Nights, what was the uh, the feeling of producers by that point? Uh, by Suburban Nights, uh, they started, of course, bringing in more producers. The site was getting bigger. Like it was, it was up at about its peak within that year and the next year. Um, we were still feeling really good. Um, it was really nice. Kevin Baugh being in his house, his family was really nice to us. Like. He had no reason and no right to be that nice to all of us big, sweaty people taking up his entire living room. But he was so nice to us. It was, it was incredible. Um, it was, it was a, a difficult experience, only in that, um, take for example all of the shooting that we might have done outside. Um, in Nevada, it was... It was actually really cold out there in the desert mountains, which would lead you to believe that, you know, we were going to be okay um, moving around and getting kind of warm, but it was also really sunny, and a lot of us ended up getting a little bit sunburned, so we were kind of miserable, but um, even through little stretches of misery, we still at that time felt like what we were doing was really fun, and we were really glad to see these people again that either we hadn't seen in a year, or some of them we had never met before because this was the first time they were getting cycled into a Channel Awesome production. Um, so that was the first time it really felt hard, I think. But it was the kind of hard that felt rewarding at the end, which I can't say for productions that would come. So by the time you got to uh, to boldly flee, was that really the breaking point for everyone on set? I don't know about everyone, except for me. Um, I think because 
you, you'll, you'll remember when To Boldly Flee dropped on the internet. Uh, that was when people realized that Doug was, in fact, retiring the Nostalgia Critic as a character. And, uh, in fact, when people watched it, they were like, is he going away? And then Doug had to make a video, yes, he's going away. Uh, essentially, that's exactly how we found out. It's just that we found out earlier by reading the script. He didn't tell us either. So, um, by reading the script, um, you know, I had to sit there. Uh, I was, I remember specifically being in my hotel room, uh, with Jesu Otaku and with Ju Wario at the time, with Justin, uh, and we were sitting and talking about the script, and we we're like, guys, I'm pretty sure you need to realize uh, he's going to retire the Nostalgia Critic character. What happens to us after that? And, and I remember the two of them going, kind of, well, I don't, I don't really know. Um, I guess we'll have to cross that bridge when we come to it. Um, but but that filming experience, on top of knowing that um, this was going to be, of we I knew for certain this was going to be a huge chapter in the Channel Awesome story, and it did end up being that way. But on top of that, the filming experience, uh, I was a little heartbroken uh, in in some ways. Uh, take for example, I feel like I'm an easily forgettable person. That's just the way it is. You know, I don't have the big subscriber count that a lot of other producers do. And that's fair. Like, the other producers have been doing a fantastic job maintaining their audience and maintaining a much better schedule than me. So that that doesn't hurt. Um, what hurts is the way I was treated uh, on set. Uh, I frequently felt like the walkers forgot that I ever existed. And you know that this is true because in one of the parts of To Boldly Flee, uh, there's a scene where everybody uh, gets put to sleep. Uh, the entire crew of the house spaceship gets put to sleep. And I am not in that shot. Uh, and then the next shot where uh, in the next part of the movie where everybody's supposed to wake up, I am in the shot with everybody waking up. So the reason why I'm not in that first shot, though, is because they radioed into the next room to call out, okay, we need, uh, I don't know, I don't remember who was in that shot. We need Mickey, we need, um, we need Film Brain, we need, I don't know, Noah or, or something. I don't, I don't know who all else was supposed to be in that shot. I can't rightly remember. So they radioed in everybody that they needed, but they didn't radio in my name. Then came the part where everybody's supposed to wake up, and I've got lines in that scene, and I say, Hey, so I'm waking up, and I'm saying lines in this scene, but I wasn't in the scene here falling asleep in the first place. And I'm saying this to Rob, uh, and Rob is like, Really? You weren't down here? And I was like, Yeah, I wasn't down here. And he just goes, Oh. Oh well, plot hole, and laughs it off. Uh, and I... I kind of laughed along with him at the time, but it made me really sad because it, it just made me realize they've they've totally forgotten about me. And uh, that was kind of the impression that I had gotten from the walkers 
for a long time. Uh, that includes up until um, sometime within the last couple of years, the last year or so, um, Doug had done something with Don Bluth. And um, one of my biggest things I ever did was go through every single Don Bluth movie that Don Bluth had ever made uh, as a series of reviews. Um, and Doug never spoke to me about it. And I, I I don't know if I even should have cared about that. And maybe I wouldn't have if I didn't suddenly start getting friends and followers saying, wow, Doug's doing a thing on Don Bluth. Kaylin, when are you showing up? Like, they really expected I was going to be there. And I was like, I didn't even know this was going to be a thing. Um, and some people are like, really? Are you serious? I would be mad about that. And I'm just like, mad? I don't know. A, a little disappointed? Yes, I guess so. Um, and I was one of the older producers that never did a crossover review with Doug. Um, he never asked, and the fact that I, I frequently felt forgotten by him never made me feel encouraged enough to ask him if that would be something he would be interested in doing. So, um, back to To Boldly Flee... Um, yeah, uh, at the end of To Boldly Flee's filming production, we all had a cast dinner near our hotel, and Doug handed out individually typed out letters to each and every cast member. So I, he handed me my letter, and I open up this letter, and it's, it's a really nicely written letter talking about... Um, particular memories of his experiences with me, and I assume all the other letters to everybody else were kind of the same, and he's just like, thank you for working with us for all these years on these productions, and then he signs his name. Um, and for some reason, I just sat there with this feeling like, am I the only one in this room who's realizing he's telling us goodbye right now without necessarily saying the words that he's telling us goodbye? Um... And for some reason, I'm just looking around at the whole rest of the table thinking, I don't know if everybody else gets it. I really, really don't. I think everybody thinks that this is going on, this is going to go on forever. And to boldly flee did sort of address this idea that, well, reviews can't possibly be a thing that we keep doing for the rest of our lives. It's got to end sometime. And I just sort of thought to myself... Yeah, you know, that may be true, but you don't have to sink the boat faster than it's already sinking. Like, there might have been a small leak in the boat already, but it felt like Doug shot additional bullet holes into the boat, and now it's just nosediving down into the ocean. And, yeah, that was exactly the time where I felt like, I don't know how much longer I can stay. And again, the only reason I stayed any longer than I did was because I had a manager with Tainted Reality who said, no, your name connected with Channel Awesome still looks good for you. Um, and now it's at a point where I don't agree that that is true anymore. Did you, after that, did you speak to other producers about um, basically the, the the experience of how, how you were disappointed with uh, how the site was going? Because afterwards, um, people like Obscurus Looper and Phalus had been there for a long time started to leave so were you in contact with people like that or was it just a mutual feeling 
there was a little bit of a mutual feeling. I was definitely in contact with Allison. Um, she and I shared a room together, for example, on Lewis's Atop the Fourth Wall movie. We had long, very long discussions about the state of how everything went down, um, about how she specifically was treated by Mike Michaud, and about how she was pretty unfairly let go. Um, she, she was a little bit aggressive in how she handled things. However, uh, from my personal opinion, I didn't feel like it was anything to be let go over, especially when the breaking point was that she missed a Skype call from Doug, Rob, and Mike Michaud. Um, and when she missed that Skype call, that is when they made the decision to let her go. Um, that was quite a bit unfair, I would personally believe. Um, but yeah, I was, I was there, there, I was there late, um, cause I'm almost never on Skype. Um, but I was in this group chat where Allison was very specifically saying, no, we need to have this conversation about, um how management is going, about how they treat um, people who want to have Patreon accounts. Because for a long time, oh man, they, they hated the idea of Patreon and considered Patreon a form of e-begging. Never mind that um, Channel Awesome had done crowdfunding of their own that many would argue did not deliver on their promises. Uh... And so Mashad would just be yelling at her, no, we need to have this conversation privately, you and me. And Allison said, no, this affects a lot more than just me. We need to be having this conversation here in Skype. And that, that was just kind of ridiculous. Um, there is a secondary Skype chat that is not the professional channel awesome Skype chat. Uh, there's a secondary Skype chat for producers that they kind of call the goof off chat uh, and it still to an extent includes producers who once were on channel awesome and are not anymore not everybody but a few people myself included uh, and so many times concerns have been brought up within that chat um, with it amongst many producers whom are still there um, and they'll constantly talk about, I didn't like how this was handled. Um, and I, and some of those people did eventually leave. Some of them, like I just said, are still there. And I would say things like, guys, if we really feel this, this way about how everyone's being treated, about how their management is going, then it, it kind of doesn't make sense to stick around. Morally speaking, it doesn't make any sense to stick around. But some producers will say, Oh, I'm hearing how bad things were for you. I'm so sorry to hear it was that bad for you. But it doesn't have any effect on me, and so I'm not going to do anything about it, and I'm not going to leave. Um, which, that's their choice. But I can't help but feel a little disappointed with them, in that uh, they can see many, many people talking about how dissatisfied they are, uh, or sometimes they'll even see the things for their, for themselves, um, go through things that they're not satisfied with, uh, and they'll stick around because they think, 
maybe because they still want to feel a sense of community or that they always dreamed about getting to be with Channel Awesome because there was a point in time where being attached to Channel Awesome was a really good feeling. Um, or maybe they're friends with other producers who are there with Channel Awesome or maybe they're friends with Doug and Rob. For all of these reasons, they'll choose to stick around. Uh, but in the end, I feel like sticking with a site that you know uh, has been mistreating its producers for quite some time, and you can see it happening right before your eyes, and you can see public satisfaction in Channel Lawsom drastically nosediving, it doesn't look good to stick with them. Um, I, I felt like me silently sticking with Channel Awesome was sending a message that I did not want sent about myself anymore. I didn't approve of it. I didn't want to look like I approved of it. Um, and it, it seems really clear to me, too, that this is what Channel Awesome wants. Um, they, they kept bringing in video producers, and we kept getting told things about how we were going to be better treated as a community of producers, and that clearly has not happened. And what has happened instead, in favor, they've moved in favor of going full Chicago. Their full Chicago crew is the only crew that they acknowledge um, when they reached their 10-year anniversary of the Nostalgia Critic, for example. The only cast and crew that they acknowledged were the cast and crew in Chicago. Why? I guess because they're the only crew that's that gets paid. Um, none of the other producers, like, none of us are on a legitimate contract. In nine years, we have never been paid. Um, in fact, year one, when I first got brought on, uh, I was supposed to be handing my videos directly over to Channel Awesome for them to host on their channel. I didn't yet have a blip channel, and they said that they were going to be paying me based on the views that my videos were getting. Never happened. They never paid me a single cent. Um, and I was young and dumb, and I still stuck with them. Uh, and that's on me. That is totally 100% on me. Um, so what it seems really clear to me is happening, and some other producers kind of agree, but they haven't voiced it nearly as much as I have, is that it seems really obvious that they want all of us to quietly leave, to quietly remove our stuff off of the front page of Channel Awesome, so that all they will have left to worry about is their Chicago team and nobody else. Never mind the tenure or the views that some other producers might have given them over the years. Doesn't matter. They just want us all to quietly disappear. That's exactly what it has felt like for a really long time to me. It's funny that you mentioned the uh, 10 year thing. Cause um, I was speaking to another producer. don't think I can say who, but um, they said that they were basically mm -hmm. sticking around to see if they were invited for the 10 year anniversary. And I think there's the people who are still there. I think that's probably uh, a feeling that some of them or most of them might have is that there's, there's so many producers who have been instrumental and have been big in the, uh, in the films and growing the site and so on. But it definitely, like you say, it does seem like they, they don't want to kick anyone away, but they do kind of want to just replace them with, um, like you say, the Chicago team. 
Right. So, so people keep talking about, yeah, I hope I make it to this, this 10 year anniversary thing. And, and in the back of my head, I'm thinking, this is a thing that's not even going to happen. Um, uh, uh, one producer did tell me, oh yeah, Doug is talking about it like it's a thing that he wants to do. Um, but okay, well now's the time. Um, now's the time to start cluing people in on whether or not a 10-year anniversary is happening. And we hadn't heard anything up until this point, as far as I'm aware. You know, I've only been gone a week, so... Um, yeah, I've just been hearing nothing. And it's like, why hold out? Um, there, There is not the sense of community that there once was five or more years ago. And to try to hold out for ten years is totally not worth it to me. Not in the slightest. I, I don't want to be associated with that community anymore. I mean, I want to be associated with the individual producers. But no, I morally cannot stand by channel awesome as a multi-channel network anymore so um talking of uh working with lewis was it different working on was it a lot different working on the top the fourth wall movie with him than it was with uh earlier projects in some ways yes um now realize he's also really not a filmmaker, so there were some ways where it was very similar. Uh, he would say things like, I want to do this like Doug, but I don't really want to do this like Doug. Uh, and in some ways he got it right. For example, he actually watches our stuff. <laughs> so, so Doug would watch... Uh, Doug doesn't pay attention nearly as closely to the rest of the Channel Awesome producers, it seems. Because every time he would write me, uh, he kept writing me as the anime person. And I had moved away from anime, trying to move into just regular, traditional animation. But he kept making me wear anime character costumes for different anime pieces that I had never even reviewed. Um, but Lewis uh, does know me, he does watch my stuff, and so he tried to write me the way he felt like um, kind of made sense for my personality. Um, I'm not saying I did a real good job. I don't think I'm a good actor, uh, but I appreciate what he tried to do, for sure. That, and he also paid us, which is more than I can say um, about working on Channel Awesome Productions. Um, in fact... Uh, what was it? To boldly flee. That was the year that I believe they they wanted us to produce crossover videos specifically for the site, and then give the crossover videos to the site and not earn money off of them. When we're losing money by being there filming, to boldly flee, um, and they were making us sign contracts saying that this is what we were gonna do, but we fought back and said. No, we need to produce something while we're out here so that we can make money. And Mike Mashad finally said, Okay, you guys can produce two videos and give one of them to us, and the other one can be for you guys to make money off of. That was the only way we were getting paid. Um, but that wasn't a thing with Lewis. With Lewis, he actually paid us, uh, like his Indiegogo promised that he would. And... Um, 
and we did crossovers with each other. So, you know, we, we walked away relatively happy people. So, talking of uh, Farewell Fam- Famicom and Rider, what was your role on that project? Uh, so, Farewell Famicom and Rider, that was uh, not necessarily a movie that I wanted to make. Um, I did and I didn't. Um, so, as everybody knows, uh, Justin Carmichael, Ju Wario, uh, he had passed away in 2014, and uh, everybody was just heartbroken, you know. Uh, he was supposed to be working on his own Fami Common Writer web series for a long time. So Fami Common Writer was a character that he created specifically as a parody of, um, you know, we talked about Toksatsu earlier in this show here, and uh, Kamen Rider is one of those Japanese superhero franchises that Justin had gotten really attached to. So he thought, I'm going to make my own Kamen Rider, but I'm going to base it on the Famicom, you know, the, the Japanese Nintendo Entertainment System. Um, so he's themed this superhero character to to kind of look like video game Nintendo-related themery, and he has Nintendo-themed attacks and weapons and stuff like that. So this was supposed to be expanded upon. He ran an Indiegogo campaign, and he raised something like $10,000 to get it done, and he was working on it. Uh, things were getting rough. Uh, he left Channel Awesome, uh, which, for as as well as that seemed to go online, uh, all I can say is that it was not a mutual leaving. I'm, I don't think I'm the appropriate person to talk about that, but um, he did not leave happily. That's all I can really say about it. Um, and then he got screwed over by some other guy on some other website that he was trying to partner up with, and things were getting really hard. Making this movie was getting really hard, I, or his web series was getting really hard. I was supposed to come out and be a character in his movie out in Colorado, and uh, I couldn't make it on the weekend that he wanted me to come out, and I, I feel really bad about that now, because after all was said and done, um, I think he felt really distraught and really frustrated that he was not going to be able to provide the web series that he wanted to to all the people who contributed to this project, so after, uh, after he committed suicide, I was heartbroken too, for a number of reasons. One, I had lost a friend, and two, people paid a whole bunch of money to see him make this thing, and this thing wasn't gonna be made, uh, and so my husband and I said, well, we know a whole lot about Kamen Rider, about Tokusatsu, Justin had talked to us about what he was hoping to do, we can't make the exact same thing that he was going to make because he's not here, but we can hit the tones that he was going to try to hit. Um, On top of that, we had um, a staff member from MAGFest uh, contact me and ask, is there anything we can do to do something for Justin? And he really encouraged us to go ahead and make Farewell Famicom and Writer, um, and oh my god, that was, uh, that was an experience, uh, because we had no money, we didn't have access to his Indiegogo campaign money, 
Like, we did it on maybe, like, $500. We had no money to make this movie. And we had to do it in, like, half a year. Uh, with, with no people, no way to pay people, um, no way to kind of generate funds to get costume pieces and props and stuff like that. Um, if, if we had had the option, we would have filmed in Colorado the way that Justin was originally intending to, and that just sort of didn't happen, uh, didn't have the funds to do it. Justin had a stunt team that he wanted to work with. They're kind of a, a, a trick team, very American-style, free-running kind of trick team, uh, which really isn't the same kind of stunt work that you see in a traditional Japanese um, kind of kind of superhero show like that. But he was working with what he had, um, but we couldn't afford to work with them because we couldn't go out to Colorado. Um, and Josh and I wrote up a treatment, and we wrote up a rough script, and we kept trying to send it to people, to read it, to be like, hey, give us some feedback, what can we change? And nobody was reading it, and nobody was getting back to us, and we had this deadline like, well, they want us to premiere this movie at MAGFest, so I guess we gotta start filming this movie... And only after we started filming the movie did we get some feedback saying, Hey, uh, you've got some big ideas here. It could be really good, but there's no way this is getting made in time to reach MAGFest 2015. And I thought, well, well, thanks for saying that, because uh, we already got started, and I've already got another person who really wanted to be involved who's flying himself out to Texas to film with us. He's flying himself out on his own dime and putting himself up in his own hotel room on his own dime. Um, the only reason why this movie actually got made was on the good graces of people who loved Justin Carmichael enough that they wanted to make sure that this thing got made. And by no means is our film a perfect film in any way, shape, or form. I almost hope one day there is a possibility of that movie getting remade because it's, it is not, it is by no means perfect. However, uh, there is a sentiment in there that I will totally stand by uh, about sticking to the vision that my friend had before he passed away. And um, for what it's worth, for what little we were working with, uh, I've, I am proud of what we were able to get out. That much I can say for sure. So what's next for you? Um in terms of videos or in terms of projects you're going to be working on? Well, uh, life has changed in a big way for me. So, uh, like I said, I just recently moved from Texas to Los Angeles, and uh, some people were asking questions like, oh, did you move out there to get into the entertainment industry? That's never going to happen. And I, originally my answer was, well, no, no, it's not. Um... I mean, the reason why I left San Antonio to begin with was because I wasn't making money in San Antonio, and I've got family out here in California, and I started looking for work out here, and I got work out here. Uh, and originally that job was uh, just doing inventory, scanning, scanning store items at, like, the mall, at, like, Old Navy to make sure that they have accurate inventory. But that kind of wasn't making money either. So I just started sending out applications all over the place. And before I knew it, I was that same day 
getting a call back from a company that does closed captioning work for all kinds of TV and movies and Netflix and stuff. So right now, I'm in Burbank writing closed captions, which is super fun uh, and super rewarding. Uh, Like, I just got to work on the season premieres of um, Law & Order Special Victims Unit uh, on... Chicago Fire and Chicago PD. Uh, I got to work on an episode of this next season of The Flash. That has been super fun. Uh, And I'm still producing video content. I've got uh, quite a few request reviews that I still need to work on. They're still coming down the pipeline. Uh, I wish I had a little more time to do them. Uh, but they're absolutely still coming, and so anyone who is still stuck with me, even after leaving Channel Awesome, I I super appreciate it, because I don't want to give up producing video content at my regular pace, at my regular output, and the kind of content that makes me happy. So, uh, yeah, I'm keeping constantly busy, and it's it's so rewarding, and it's so much bigger to me than Channel Awesome, Uh, and I don't regret leaving... I don't regret having been there, either, um, but I'm happy with where I am right now. What might be interesting to know is that I'm uh, slowly finding myself becoming an extra in different things out here, um, mostly because they pay, not because the people who said, oh, she's going to try to get into the entertainment industry, well, that wasn't my intention, but I do need to make money, so uh, I've become an extra as an audience member for a variety of different shows that, uh, until they air, I'm on an NDA, so I can't tell you which ones, but I'll definitely be able to publicly say which ones in the near future, um, as well as an indie film, which... That I didn't sign an NDA for, but I'm not going to be filming with it until November, so I I, kind of don't want to say anything too early in case changes are made. So I'm going to wait on that, but um, this is an exciting time for me, where I'm just trying to figure out what it is that I'm meant to do with my life now, and... I think I'm on the right track, and I think I'm part of some exciting things that people are going to be able to see. I don't feel like... uh, And I feel like I'm in the right place to be doing those things, too, because people make fun of my acting capabilities. That's because they're totally right. I am not an actor. I don't want to be an actor. But I can be an extra. I can work the hell out of being an extra. So... Me standing around in the back of things and just adding to a scene, that's kind of cool. And and that makes me happy. I will definitely be telling people more about what I'm supposed to be maybe kind of showing up in a back corner of a dark room somewhere <laughs> in, in the future. So I hope you'll keep an eye out for that. Um, other than that, uh, I guess just keep an eye on my social media. I'm Mars Girl pretty much everywhere. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. So, uh, Twitch! Uh, yeah, I am not a difficult person to find. And I look forward to seeing people across social media and talking to people in the near future. I always love talking to people.